Um, after much reading and a contextual view of this uh, writing, historical account, and knowing all of us, and the plethora of information that bombards our mind, it's, it's, I believe, the desire of the Holy Spirit to captivate our thoughts and to arrest our attention so that we might remember and apply. And so I thought it better to just read one verse from the narrative, a single sentence from the scripture. And if you are prone or given to highlight or underline something in your Bible, this would be one that you would consider because it would help you in the course of your life. It comes from verse 18, and it's just a small verse, but I'll, I'll help you with it as we move along. Here it is. <clears throat> and Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, the reason why I would encourage you to highlight is because it's going to be a, it's going to be a, 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 a remembrance, a flag. It's going to be a landmark, a mile marker. And if you can remember that verse and you highlight it, perhaps you'll remember what the Holy Spirit is going to say today um, to all of us. And all the people said amen. Before you're seated, I'd like you to tell someone close by how wonderful, handsome, beautiful that they are. Smart, intelligent, gifted. Tell the truth. And also, uh, oh goodness, oh, oh, oh goodness, just as a reference, um, brother and sister Harpole, mom and dad Harpole have officially moved here, and they are... To, can get my inheritance. And I get that in cookbooks and pasta, so okay. To be secure in the word, to know it, and then to be precise in, in this word from God. It was in the plains of Mamre, in the heat of the day, when a theophany, I suppose some physical manifestation of God, and a couple of angels visited Abraham. 
The Lord had spoke to Abraham many days prior, and now this is a tangible moment. If we could grasp the gravity of the scripture, we would know that the nation of Israel, with every tribe and every portion of land and all prophetic words, would hinge, hinge on the encounter of God with Abraham. Now, the Lord has spoken to Abraham 24 years prior and promised him a son and a family with blessings and provisions. And now, all these years later, Abraham is revisited by this almighty El Shaddai. I wonder how many of those patriarchs whose lives are exposed to us without caution or hesitation understood what would happen to them or the pattern or exampleship they would leave behind for us. Which one of you, which one of us would welcome such scrutiny from the whole world? The Bible says it like this. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The NIV says it this way. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Their entire lives written so that we could learn. These were given to us. Their existence, their triumphs and failures, their victories and defeats, gains and losses, their faith and fear. Think now. We have a pattern and a path to follow. God gave us an example through these patriarchs and matriarchs so that we would know the way. We would know the way. Every thread of Abraham's existence, like a garment, has been undone piece by, by piece. Perhaps because he was the one whom God chose. Something hinged on him and on Sarah. It was a future nation of Israel and then every believer to come, even us. The Jews said, if though they were only half right, they said, we have Abraham as our father. But so do we. God gave a promise, but as with all of God's promises and all of his provisions and all of his blessings, there are borders around them. And I'll help us with it. Much is made, at least in the last several decades, about God's intervention and indeed interruption. It happens when we are in trouble or when we have done something outside of God's purpose or when the enemy afflicts us. We were almost lost and almost gone. And then comes the intervention or the interruption. And we've laughed about it preached about it and shouted about it and people use it and man it's the subject I even saw a conference with the two words but God (laughs) I was in trouble but God brought me out and I was sinking but God lifted me up I was I was in pain but God healed me I was almost gone but God And of course, that's not just a man-made thing. I'll read the Bible to you, Philippians 2.27. For indeed, he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. 
among whom also we had all of our conversation times passed. It was the lust of our flesh. We desired that we, we fulfilled the desires of our flesh and of our mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich and mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead to sin, he brought you out and saved you and resurrected you, and you were on a bad road, but God stepped in. And I love that moment. Those two words make the difference when we are at the end of our resolve and when we lose our way. He comes to the rescue and lifts us up with his mighty hand out of the miry clay and on a rock to stay. Those two words are the words of interruption. And you ought to thank God that he has interrupted the things that could have happened to you, but he saved you out of that. But those two words, as famous and oft-spoken as they are, take a back seat to another two words, which are far more important. Those words are, then I. <laughs> oh, yes. God said to his people, if you'll serve me and give me your heart, whole heart and you'll obey my commandments, then I. How many people constantly live on the edge hoping for God to intervene on their behalf? No true worship, no offered sacrifice. They live haphazardly and suddenly they cry out for God. God comes to the rescue and yes, he is a saving Savior. Oh, what a Savior he is. But that was never his intent. His intent was for the called out people who knew his name, who followed his words to live a different life. The question is, do you want the Lord on your side? Do you need him on the side, on your side, on your behalf? Here's Exodus 23. But if thou shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I, I'll be an enemy to your enemy. And I'll be an adversary to thine adversaries. That's when God starts to fight your battles. If you are true to the Lord, he will fight your battles. And you don't have any weapons and any words like God has can take down your enemies listen i'd like to have a strong man i'd like to have a strong voice on my side but if i have an enemy coming there's nobody that can fight my battle like god someone's going to tell you you don't want the lord against you if i will obey then i the lord said here's leviticus 25 wherefore ye shall do my statutes and keep my judgments and do them not know them, not hear about them, not clap about them, but do them, and you shall dwell in the land of safety. Here's the next verse I love. Then I will command my blessing. That's when the Lord blesses you and your life for years and years to come. If you'll do his commandments and do his statutes and live according to his law, then I will bless you forever. Here's the word, then I will give you rain in due season. God said, I will keep thee, bring thee, plant you, grow you, protect you, go before you, go behind you, and all together lift you up. Then I will do it. See, there are boundaries for this thing called blessings. And obedience is the fence and the line. And if you'll do these things, God said, then I. Prove me. Abraham, here it is. I'll give you a son through Sarah. You'll be the father of many nations. 
and the whole earth will be blessed because of you. And from Sarah will come wonderful things. Abraham, keep my covenant. Be true. Stay right. I'll bless you. And from Sarah, something's going to happen from Sarah. Let me read it to you. Genesis 17, verse 16. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. This is not an intervention. It's not an interruption. This was not a rescue plan or a mission or some saving moment. It was the blessing with a parameter given by the utterance of the holy and faithful God. Keep my covenant. Obey my voice. Then I will bless you. And just for those who might wonder in the future, after the day is gone, you've forgotten all that the Spirit is saying, I want you to know I'm grateful for the intervention of the Lord. You're going to need an intervention from God. Because the Lord is ever-present help in trouble. He's going to help you. Don't lose faith. He's going to help you. But I cannot and I'm not going to live hoping that God comes to my rescue when I reject his word. Going to get meaty. We're about to get some meat here. The blessings live in the circumference of my obedience. If you will obey, then I will bless you. If you'll do my commandments and my statutes, then I'm going to protect you. And there is no limit to what God can do for us and through us when we live holy and separate lives. Abraham had it in his hand, but five years is a long time to wait on God. And five turned to ten, and ten turned to fifteen, and Abraham and Sarah decided to walk outside of God's command. And Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham from the unsanctioned faithlessness and disobedience union. From that came a young boy, a child named Ishmael. No fault of Hagar or Ishmael. They were, they were called the bondwoman and the son of the bondwoman. No reflection of their character, attitude, or disposition, but they were not in the plan. They did not come about within the circumference of obedience. Ishmael was the result of Abraham moving outside the boundaries of the blessing and the obedience and the command and his disobedience rippled through time. It created an angst among nations that will never go away. Ishmael and Isaac both claiming Abraham as their father, but one is the son of the bondwoman and the other is the son of the free. And the world, not just now, but forever will be in conflict. It will be in conflict and heretofore no one has solved the Middle East crisis. And it will never be solved. Why? Because Abraham decided, I'm going to do something, and then I'm going to ask God to bless it anyway. And when Isaac was born, the emotional world of mama blew up because Isaac is a perfect son. She could no longer stand the sight of Ishmael. She was immediately jealous for her own son Isaac and she complained to Abraham over the presence of Hagar and that other boy. Even though it was Sarah's idea to begin with. She had the idea. (laughs) She caused the problem and Abraham relented because he wasn't obeying the voice of God. It's a reflection of the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a nice fruit. Hey, I got an idea. Let's eat it. And Adam, that big dummy, said, well, whatever you want. 
Happy wife is happy life. That's where that started right there. I'm going to tell you, that's exactly where that started. That's the dumbest thing. Got us kicked out of the garden. All you numbskulls that walk around saying happy life, just go ahead and eat the fruit. You're going to get kicked out. Everybody out of the pool. You're out of the pool. Get out. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that sounds good to me, Sarah. Well, I'll just go have a baby with Hagar. And she appeals to his flesh even though he knows that's outside of God's command. He knows it. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with the Lord. It's been a long time. Because they move outside of the boundary. She's forgotten that she was the one who caused it. She caused her own anger. Did you know that you make yourself mad? You didn't even know you made yourself mad. You did it. You did it. Now you're blaming somebody else. You started it. Now it made you mad. It's the fruit of the seed you planted. You just forgot. (laughs) Oh, man. It's getting really stiff in here right now. Real stiff. Nobody. Very few amens. You see, outside of that boundary, there's this moment of reprieve. And so everyone's rejoicing. Looks like you're doing good. But there is a price to pay. As great as the blessings are within the realm of obedience, so too great is the suffering outside of it. They are, it seems to me, in direct proportion one to the other. Great blessings and great suffering, great calmness and great anxiety. Abraham saw it, but it was too late. So when God began to fulfill the promise, 25 years later, Ishmael was not included. The son of the bondwoman would have... Land and influence, yes, he would be provided for, but he was not going to be in the promise. Ishmael would live off the temporal, but never inside of the covenant. And when Abraham realized the error he had made so many years prior and saw his son Ishmael, he wanted God to recognize Ishmael. But God does not recognize our obedience or the fruit of our disobedience, rather. God will not, he will not succumb to our fleshly desires that are outside the borders of his blessing. So look in the scripture. God will prove Abraham's love and devotion. God's going to say to Abraham, I want to make sure you know and that I know you love me. But they also making another statement here. Here is Genesis 22 and 2. God said, take now thy son, uh uh-oh, thy only son. Was that his only son? Whom you love. What did God say? Bring thy, thy only son. Abraham was desperate, but the word, the promise, the command had been dismissed from his life. And the bombing woman was the choice of his own carnality. Which moved Abraham to plead with God for inclusion. We all want God to include our misgivings and our disobedience in the promise. And he said, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. You got to read into that. Pain, that suffering, that regret, that Abraham had disobeyed God, and now he knows it's the fruit of what he had done wrong. Now he's begging God, please recognize 
This great patriarch felt the sting of his faithless act. He mourned. He cried to God to no avail. His actions and that of Sarah were done outside of the boundaries of what God would bless. It burned inside of him. Maybe he thought that God would bend a little or, 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 or bend a lot or, or relent or change his mind. Maybe Abraham thought that God would reconsider his own folly and just include Ishmael in the promise. But oh no, that is a story of too many who live according to their own idea and then ask God to bless it. Too many people that profess Jesus live flagrantly. They make deals and choose poorly and then they hope God's going to fix it and bless it and make it as if disobedience never occurred. I'll just have that relationship, Lord, and it won't matter. You'll bless it later thinking you can fix it. You can't fix it. But the children of God, they knew the word. And the children of God today, you know the word. They know the truth. But they have moments of human logic and fleshly ideas. (laughs) Here, pastor, faithfulness to the church is often laid in the balance of work and play and ambitions (laughs) or even today, convenience And when faithfulness is found wanting, there's a fruit that comes about. And as time progresses in the absence from the worship service, exist and then moments mount and homes become worldly. And then all of a sudden, people pray that God would bless them even though they have made the wrong choice. And the best you can get is but God. But that's not what I'm promoting today. I'm promoting then I. And years of not giving. No return of tithes and offerings. Which God said in Malachi is akin to the thief and the robber. How could anyone's finances be blessed? I ask you today. God does not bless it because the whole that is withheld is subject to the elements outside of his blessing. Hear this today. How we doing? <sighs> Almost going to preach my way through all of it. Sin. Sin. And unnecessary weight. They're two different things. The Bible says, lay aside every sin and weight that so doth easily beset us. Sin is not weight and weight is not sin. Sin is in the Bible. And if you live in sin, you're going to pay the price of sin. It, you will reap the price of sin. If you don't know the price of sin, if you don't know what sin is, it's anything that's contrary to God and anything that the Bible says is sin. Amen. But weight is much different. See, for the church today, we would say, well, we're not living in sin, but man, you have put on, oh, I shouldn't say it. You put on a lot of, Just stack on the weight, stack on the weight till your life gets so wrapped up in all kinds of stuff. And you say, well, I, I wish I had time to read my Bible in the morning. And I wish I had time to go to prayer. And I, I, I wish I had something to do. And I, I wish I could get to church. But you know, Pastor, I'm kind of busy. I've been real busy. I, I started a new business. I got a new job. You know, I, I've got all this stuff. That's what Jesus said. Invite someone to the, to the wedding. Invite, some, invite them to my banquet table. Everyone had an excuse. One guy said, I got some land I just purchased. I got to go check it out. Another guy said, I got some oxen. That's cars, boats. 
I, I got to interpret this for you people because everyone's looking. I don't have the oxen. I think there's one person in the church, a couple people, who had the donkeys. And one was like a bipolar donkey. Who, and they sold the bipolar donkey and gave the money to the missionary. Praise the Lord. There's no oxen running around the church. Although you might want to buy some chickens. So you can have some eggs. Uh-huh. I can't come because I got a lot of stuff to do. You don't understand, Pastor. Well, I don't have to understand. All I'm saying is you've got so many weights on you, you can't even be faithful. And then there's foolish friendships. You know they're kind of foolish. They kind of draw you away. Because every time you're with them, they never talk about Jesus. They never talk about the Lord. And when they're talking about the church, they're talking bad about it. And they're pointing out all the hypocrites. And if you're not a hypocrite, please raise your hand. Oh, boom. Case is settled. All of us. Even Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. Paul said, every time I went to do good, evil was present with me. He wrote 13 books of the Bible and established all the churches in Asia Minor. Paul raised the dead. He, he prayed for people. All kinds of incredible things happened. And if Paul said, I got to die because I'm a, I, I am the chief sinner. Every time I wanted to do good, I didn't do good. Every time I didn't want to do good, those are the things that I did. That's Paul. I'm looking at the church and I'm just going to say, you're saved by grace, not of your own works. You didn't earn that. God gave it to you. You can say, well, I'm I'm not living in sin, but what about the things that you have taken on in your life and they are conflicting you and they're weighing you down until finally you can't even think. You get to prayer and you lose the words because all you've done all day long is think about somebody else and something else. And it happens to the best of us. It happens to well-established Christians. Yeah. Wait. No recognition of God. And then we say, Lord, I, I need you to bless me. Some, some folks have become lost in waiting. Oh, I'm preaching today. I know I'm preaching to you today. Abraham was 75 years old when God first spoke. But about 14 years later, 15 years later... Kind of forgotten. Then 25 years later, the unspoken but internalized belief might be that God is not faithful or maybe he forgot about us. Some people can't even wait on God one year. Some are discouraged in a few months. But God said, and I quote, Have not I spoken? Shall it not come to pass? God's not a man that he should lie. And all the promises of God are yea and amen. That means it's done, it's settled, it's over. If he gave you the promise, it's settled. (laughs) Consider the other great world changer, the great leader, Moses, who was perhaps the greatest of all of Israel, leader, pastor, prophet, teacher, judge, and deliverer. But Moses was moved by anger when he struck the rock the second time. God told him to strike it the first time and it worked. But just because you did it last time that way doesn't mean God wants you to do it the same time each time. 
the same way each time. And God did not allow him access into the land of Canaan because of it. All those years, I can't even imagine all those years of leading the children of Israel, the millions of people, the multitude miracles wrought. He served them and guided them and helped them. The law of this immutable Savior, God, given into his hands on Mount Sinai, the many audible conversations with the almighty God. God showed Moses the creation of the world, which he called its hinder parts. He saw it in technicolor and Moses wrote it down in a book we know as Genesis the wonders and awesome display of the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea all of it and more given to and through Moses a brazen serpent a healed water a glowing countenance and the and the half has not been told but the moment Moses struck the rock when God told him to speak to it which was a violation of the type and shadow of Jesus Christ The moment he struck the rock out of anger against that murmuring, constant, complaining congregation of Israelites. God said to Moses, you just moved outside of the boundaries of obedience and now you are excluding yourself and you will be excluded from the land that flows with milk and honey. Oh my. I do not know where people are living or what they're thinking But I want to say today, our God, this God, your God, is a holy God. I've said it a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it. People have created a God that does not exist. He's a holy God. Your Savior is a holy God. He's looking for your obedience. Mm -hmm, That's right. Paul wrote it. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Here's the Bible. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. First, I ask you, who deceived you? Did the world? Did your friend? Did family members? Did they say that godliness doesn't matter? Did they deceive you in thinking there's no eternal judgment or consequences for your actions? Did you receive yourself by much thinking Did your philosophical pitfall land you somewhere where you have a difficult time escaping? Who deceived you? And then what of the word mocked? Can God be mocked? Can he be ridiculed? It means that people are so deceived that they buy into the lie, that there is no reaping regardless of the seed sown. And for those of you who are Greek scholars, I did a little research. The word mocked comes from the Greek word 3556. It's makute, rizo, which means, are you ready for the revelation? It means mocked. So if you're thinking there's some deep thing here, and I don't know what that word, what's the Greek? It means mocked. You can't mock him. You can't ridicule him. Whatever you're sowing is going to come up. There's no great mystery there. It's doing the things outside the scripture and then wondering why your life is chaotic and disjointed and disheveled and stressful. And then all of a sudden, God gives us an intervention. Man, a but God moment comes along. He interrupts our demise with love and rescue. It's all in play. But the moment of his rescue does not mean that I have been obedient to his word. And I'm afraid that people are living on the intervention and not on the obedience of God. And you're really not blessed. You have no idea yet. But I found that the Christian world, and I found this in the Christian world, they're so intoxicated with but God moments that they miss the bounty and beauty of then I. Oh, that God would bless me anyway. I know I've lived a terrible life. I know I've said all kinds of horrible things. I know I've been drinking and smoking and and cussing and fussing. But God bless me today. Yes, and then you're going to go right back into that squalor. 
but you're not really blessed. I want you to be blessed. I'm ready for the whole church to be blessed. Oh, that God would would bless my disobedience and it wouldn't matter. Oh, that I can live according to my own desires and say whatever I want to and still have the blessings as if I lived according to the word. Oh, that the El Shaddai would be my sufficient strength and include me in the covenant. Things don't work properly. Why? Because the greater, ladies and gentlemen, is obedience. It's always better. Sacrifice at its height, the peak of it, with all the blessings and trappings of blood and offering, the embodiment of something beyond the gift, sacrifice never rises to the level of your obedience. Obedience, if you will. If I will, follow it, submit. The things of obedience stand at the pinnacle of it all. So I preach today not to invoke some kind of emotional response from you. But I preach today through the anointing of the Holy Spirit that something will captivate your mind. And you'll go back to that verse and you'll say, oh, oh, that God would include and let Ishmael live. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I cannot do that because every time I say that, it means I'm living half-hearted. I'm not living all the way sold out. I'm living off the blessings. Have you ever done that? Have you ever lived off the blessings of someone else? Someone's worshiping, someone's shouting, someone was blessed, and then you cry, and you're thankful for that, but that's not your blessing. I know people who've come to church and they are hungry to hear someone's testimony and their blessing because it gives them strength. And yes, it does. I'm strengthened. But there comes a moment when you have to have your own blessing and you have to have your own strength. And I'll tell you how you're going to get it. You're going to get it by opening up this book and being obedient to this book. You're going to get it by doing the statutes and the commandments of the Lord. I don't care what the world says. I've got to live according to the word of God. pastor when I preach to you today and if I'm not your pastor just hear this preacher today God desires to bless you he will bless your obedience and I want the Lord to speak to me then I I'm going to protect you I'm going to bless you I'm going to make you a great nation if you obey then I'll open up windows of heaven. When you give and you return your tithe, I'm going to open, I'm going to, in fact, God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. This is what God said. If you obey me, here's what the Lord said. I will restore to you. This is an incredible thing. In fact, this is the most incredible thing of all the scripture. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten because the one commodity you cannot replace is time. Can I just tell my joke again? Oh, please. So old. Never mind. You can't go back. You can't go sideways. But God, this is the wonder of God. I don't even know how he does it. He can give you back time. 
and restore the years that the locust, that means for all those sour moments, all those hateful and pitiful moments of your life, God's going to bring such great joy. He's going to bring such great bounty of happiness and joy and shouting. He's going to replenish things in your life. He's going to multiply the joy if you will obey him. Yes. Amen. So I want to tell you right now, I know God can intervene on your behalf. I know the Lord can bring you out of a pit. I know the Lord can rescue with his mighty hand. I know the Lord can interrupt and intervene in everything you've done wrong. He can lift you up and bring you out. He can restore you every illness, every sickness, every self-imposed affliction. I know that he can. But today I rise on behalf of the commandments and the statutes of the Most High God. I rise to say to all the people that's called by his name, we're going to have a then I moment and he's going to bless us. I rise to say, though I know the Lord can help me when I put myself in peril, there's something greater than that. God is going to lift up the whole church when we get back to the book. Hey. And you cannot measure it. And you cannot hold it in your hand. And you cannot, you won't even know where you're living. You're going to be on a permanent vacation. You're going to be in the middle of February. It's going to snow. It's going to have coldness outside. But there's going to be a warmth of the Holy Spirit inside. Why? Because you've just been living according to the scripture. And you said no to the world. And no to your flesh. And no to your own ideas. Mm. Just give me one more moment here now. Just give me one more moment. Because a couple of folks were talking a few years back and they were inquiring of a, of a man and how it came to be. And they said... Give us the insight into what you did. How did you go to that city that had no body? How did the Lord do that? And give us the steps, the ideas of what you did. And the man said, I don't have any ideas. He said, you all are much smarter than me. He said, all I did was follow the scripture. I didn't make up anything. I didn't read, read a book on how to grow a church or reach my city. I just did what the scripture said. I just started being a witness. Two weeks ago, I talked to a man in Texas, and he said, we got a good-sized church. We got about 200, Pastor. And I said, well, you're doing good. He said, but I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I've got to be a witness. I said, well, I said, well what are you going to do about it? He said, I'll call you back later. And He did. He said, I'll tell you what, I signed up for Lyft. You did? Yeah, I signed up for Lyft. He said, I can, I can put my, my center point in any place I want, and there's a four-mile radius I can pick up people. And I get in the car after dinner, and I pick up people. And he did it. He said, for every 26 people that I pick up, five, I get to talk to five about Jesus. 
And I always driving by the church because we're in a four mile radius. It's always passing by the church. It's off the highway. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just doing Acts 1 and 8. He said, I got a guy coming to church Sunday. I picked him up. And when I drive back to the church, I say, see that church? I'm the pastor. He don't need the money. He just following the scripture. <laughs> oh. And suddenly we have about 100 Lyft and Uber drivers going in the church. Come on, let's, let's go. What do you have to lose? You have got nothing to lose. You might even make 10 bucks. What do, you, what do you have to lose is following God. Your whole life will be blessed and changed. What do you, have, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Instead, why are you always trying to be rescued? He can, but why? Why are you always trying to dig yourself? Come on, here's the moment. You've got the altar. You've got the church. You've got the moment to worship. You've got the doctrine. You've got the beauty of the Lord. You've got the word. You've got time to pray. You've got a fellowship of the brethren. You've got the fellowship of the body. Now is the time, church, for us to get back to the book and say, whatever he said, I'm going to do it. Whatever that book says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to end right here. Just stand with me. I'm going to end right here. I don't want to end, but I'm, I feel like I should. Here is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. And being made perfect, we're talking about Jesus, not us, amen. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that what? There you go. So if you're living outside of the circumference of that, you're going to have to create your own Bible with your own scripture. But I submit to you today. Bridle your tongue. This is in the Bible. Make a covenant with your eyes. Guard your heart. Don't be a friend of the world. That's enmity against God. Live holy, separate, and pure. Put on joy. When it's time to praise, praise like you're going to die tomorrow. When it's time to shout, shout until you don't have any energy left. If you can't jump because your knees have been replaced, just kind of bend a little bit. Nod your head back and forth. Tell somebody, hey, listen, if you say that's not my personality, I promise you if you'll step out of your self-imposed image, all the stuff and all the junk, God will give you a blessing. If you say, I have never done that heretofore, start today. Today is the day. Now is the day. You can change. Let me tell you what new life is. It's a place for everybody to start over. This is a place where no one has a past and the future starts right now today. And if, and by a show of hands, if you believed in the Lord but you messed up and you're on your second try, raise your hand. If you're on your third try, raise your hand. Can I got any five timers out there? I got eight times. How about anybody in the nine? Do I have any, any double digit people? I've messed up so much, Pastor, you can't believe it. But I'll tell you what I decided to do. I decided to get back to the book. I'm starting over today. I'm getting back to the statutes and the commandments of God. Hey, because the Lord is in his house. He is in the habitation of his spirit. You ought to 
to lift up your voice and thank God everything that hath breath ought to praise the Lord. It's in the book. Now I'll give you the addendum here because when you start, it's going to be a little bit of battle for you. And your brain and your past is going to challenge the scripture. (laughs) And the devil isn't going to lay down and let you just casually obey the Bible. He won't be with you. The Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Satan's on the back row lifting his hand saying, me too. The Lord is going to be with you forever and the enemy is going to be with you forever too. But you are greater. Greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. You can make it. You can do it. Get in the book and say, I'm going to obey the scripture. And this is my prayer for the congregation. He'll rescue you. And but I moments are going to happen. But when we cross over into the blessing of the commandment and live in the boundaries of that blessing then I is going to be the commentary and the testimony of our lives amen now here you are I've challenged you not me but the word has challenged you the spirit has challenged you wherever you're standing you might not be able to make it to the front if you can that's great But if not, I want you to open up your heart to God and just make a commitment to God. I'm going to follow you with my whole heart, my whole mind, my spirit. Just right now, just pray for yourself. Put your hand on yourself and just pray. I pray for my heart. I pray for my spirit. I pray for my desires. Help me to seek ye first and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Help me to forget about all the things that I desire. But Lord, right now I pray, let my desire be towards you. Help me to guard all the things. Help me to proclaim your name. Help me to love your book and your commandments, Lord, I pray. And I pray against everything that would rise up. We are not going to we are not going to call it out of our mouth. We're not going to beg you to bless the things that we've done wrong. But we're going to ask you, Lord, keep us to do the things that are right, I pray. In the name of Jesus, come on, lift up your voice and your hands. And the Lord is ministering to you right now. There are commitments being made right here. I commit my life. I commit my heart. I commit my time. I commit all things that are in my hand. Every material thing. Every intangible thing. Every word that I say. My whole being, Lord, I pray.